Jesus Christ. And somebody said, Amen. Amen. We are continuing our series today on When the Kingdom Comes. And if you've missed some of these, we encourage you to check us out online and to, to catch up with us and, and, and view all of these in context. Uh, but this morning, we're going to talk about power and dominion. Last week, we talked about who, uh, who is the king, and the king is Jesus, and we talked about him taking authority over Satan, sin, and death. And today, we're going to talk about what is the kingdom of God? What really is this kingdom thing? We had a king, but what is the kingdom? Uh, and if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. What is the kingdom? This morning, if I have a goal, it's really to just inspire you, uh, perhaps to help uh, you getting to a place with the Spirit to get a revelation that we would leave this place, and really not just this one moment, but to begin a life in this Christ- thing we call Christianity, that we live and think and act different because we know who the King is and because we know what the kingdom is and that we're a part of it. So I really just want to inspire you today to think and live and walk differently. You know, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, he said, I want to tell, he was praying over his church, he said, I want to tell you about the surpassing greatness of power. Look at your neighbors say, he's got the power. All right. He wanted to tell you the surpassing greatness of the power that was towards those of us who believe. And he said, this all came about because of who Christ is, that when God raised him from the dead, brought him to life by the Holy Spirit, and then he sat him in heaven far above every ruler, every power, and every dominion. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father over every power and over every dominion. Everything is subject to him. But when has being a Christian felt powerful to you? Think about this just for a moment. When... When have you woken up in the morning and just thought, ah, I got this. I mean, you think about it. We get up in the morning. We, we have things go out through our, our day. And, you know, it's like the enemy's attacking. The world's falling apart. And, and sin is at our door. And our families are falling apart. But then when do we ever get up and just say, yes, king is on the throne. And he's in me. I mean, just when have we felt powerful because I feel like the the attitude of the church for so long and especially in the days that we live in today, these last days, we feel defeated. We feel like we're on the defensive. And I want us to switch gears today and really become on the offensive. I want us to get into our minds who Jesus is, what he's done, and that we would uh, realize that the church is called to make a powerful difference in our community. When have we looked at a church in our communities and said, wow, they're making a change in the culture of our town? Because that was the design. God never asked us to be a religion. And too often being a Christian has been synonymous with going to church. But God never intended Christianity to be a religion. He intended it to be a kingdom. The very beginning in Exodus chapter 19, he calls out Israel. He says, you are my firstborn son. I'm calling you out of Egypt. He delivers them with his strong, mighty right hand. And he calls them into the wilderness to be alone with himself. And he says, you are going to be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And from the very beginning, God is saying, you are the kingdom. I'm the king. You're the kingdom. And he begins to tell them these things. And he begins to shape this kingdom that really to, in a sense, bring heaven on earth. The, the ideas, the concepts, the morality of heaven uh, on earth. And we see this little bitty group of people called the Israelites 
come up against all of the kingdoms of the earth that were in that area. And they, with their pitchforks and their camels and their kids and their little wagons and their tents, begin to go against some of the strongest world forces of the day and win. Now, come on, that's somebody say amen. That he, he called out these people, said, you're my kingdom. And they would come against, I mean, guys with, with uh, chariots and spikes off the side and people who were putting heads on pitchforks. I mean, this was some bad dudes, some giants in the land. And they would win. Why? Because the presence of the king was within their camp. It was the presence of God dwelt in the midst of their people. And the king was on their side. And the king fought for them and the king was with them. And so God says, you're going to be a kingdom. And God foretold he'd create this eternal kingdom in Second Samuel chapter 7 when David was called to be king. He prophesied that, hey, but there's going to be a kingdom. This is just a foreshadow. My son, the Messiah, the king's going to come. And he's going to bring an eternal kingdom. And then one day Jesus comes on the scene and begins to preach one thing. And he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. If you would look in Scripture, if we would go back in time today and try to... You, know, you ever wonder, like, man, would it be awesome to just to hear one of Jesus' sermons? You know, like you've got your favorite pastors. Hopefully I'm in there somewhere. But you've got your favorite preachers. And, you know, you've got your favorite sermons. But, man, wouldn't it be awesome to go back and hear what in the world was Jesus preaching on? We've got just a, you know, we've got the, what the Bible wants us to have, but he preached hundreds and thousands of sermons that we don't have. What, would he, what was he preaching on? The Bible gives us a very clear context that Jesus' central theme was the kingdom of heaven. That was his message. It was the good news, the gospel of the kingdom. Let's read Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. If you're there, if you've got your Bible, somebody say amen. amen. All right. Matthew chapter 23. Verse Matthew chapter four, verse 23. I'm reading in the New American Standard today. Jesus was going throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, which is kind of like a, not a temple, but it's kind of like what we would just have a church house today. And he was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Turn to your neighbor and say the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. That, that's a key phrase you want to tag and hold on to that today. It wasn't just the gospel. It was the gospel of the kingdom. And he says it was healing every type of disease, every, type, every kind of sickness among the people. And this news, this good news, spread about through all Syria. And they brought to him all who were ill, the suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. He healed them all. The message was the good news that the kingdom was here. I think in Christianity today, we don't really kind of have, like, growing up, I don't really remember. When I had great pastors, I don't really remember getting this idea of kingdom in my head. Because I, when I think about the gospel, I think, okay, it's the cross, it's the blood, it's the it's Jesus Christ, He came, He died, He rose again, He's coming back. That's all true. But it's all in the context of a kingdom. And that's why we have a great name for our kids' ministry here at Sanctuary, Kingdom Kids. Uh, because there's something about this kingdom. It was good news. The, gospel, the word gospel means good news. It was good news because the kingdom of God had come to take dominion over the kingdom of man, over the kingdom of darkness. God had stepped out of His throne of heaven, stepped His throne into earth and said, you know what, I'm taking back authority over sin, sickness, disease, and death. I'm going to show somebody who's powerful up in here. Basically, that's what he was saying. 
the kingdom of God. He proclaimed this good news of the kingdom, demonstrated its power throughout all of Galilee, and thousands would walk up to 35 hours away. They would walk, some people walked 35 hours from Jerusalem to uh, Galilee, from Syria to Galilee. They would just, masses would come. Why? What was it about, not only was the miracles and the signs and the wonders, but what was he speaking on that would move people to such a degree? It was this understanding of kingdom. And it was a, a news that they had not heard that they'd realized there was something beyond There was something in that world had just the world in that moment, something had stepped into the world that was finally able to make a change in their condition. Something was finally able to make a change in their circumstance and along throughout this world today. There are people suffering depression. There are people suffering sickness. There's people suffering problems in their life. And they realize they look around the world. They're looking to the newest self-help book. They're going to the nearest seminar. They're reading the latest uh, five steps to healthier and happier living. They're reading all the magazines. They're turning on the news. They're they're following popular uh, socialites that look like they have it all together. Well, this person's rich and famous. They look happy on Facebook. What is it in their life? Maybe it's getting a better physique. Maybe it's buying the better shoes. Or maybe it's listening to this or to that. But they were looking for something. And they finally found something for someone that was able to finally change their condition. The world today is looking for someone and something to truly affect change in their condition. There's a lot of hopelessness in the world today, whether they realize it or not. They're looking for something. And we've got the answer today. Because there's something beyond. There's something beyond the physical realm of this world. There's something beyond just some words on a page. It's more than just words on a page. It's more than just Scripture verses. It's more than just some programs. It's more than than just reading something and learning something and memorizing something. There is something beyond. I was a, When I was pastoring up in Missouri, we had a, a man by the name of Harry. And Harry was a good uh, saint of God. He, when I knew him, he was about 80 years old. And he didn't get to come around a whole lot. But uh, Harry had gotten sick and he got down uh, with some health issues. And we knew that Harry was soon to go meet Jesus. He, this is a man, he just you'd meet him, he'd start speaking in tongues. He was Pentecostal. And, and a good saint of God, just gentle. He reminded me of the Monopoly man, if you can get a picture, okay? All right? That's what I thought about him. Uh, had the mustache and everything. And so Harry had been in the hospital for a while, so I went to meet Harry, and uh, I went to pray with him. And I still remember it, because when I went into the room, and this man, he was about to die, I went into the room, and I just felt something. I don't know how to describe it, other than that, that when I walked in the room, there was just sense of peace and joy. And see, when I walked in the room, Harry had been speaking in tongues and praying. This is a man about to die here. Nobody's in the room but me and him. I walk in the room and I just say, hey, Mr. Harry, you know, it's, it's Pastor Heath. I don't know if you remember me or not, but hey, I'm, I'm here to pray with you. And he just said, oh, yes. And I begin to pray over him, God, just to bless him. And as I begin to pray, this man just began to worship God and pray in tongues. And, and just in that moment, it was as if, you know, I didn't see anything or hear anything. But in that moment, I just felt like the angels of God just rested in that place. And I never felt an experience like that before. And it was as if I could feel like heaven was just, just, just over the beyond of where he was. And I could, it was as if you could just touch it. 
And it was thick and tangible. And so I left and um, I got in my car, got in the hospital garage and was going back to my office. And I stopped, needed some gas. And we were, we, our church now wasn't in the best part of town. And so we, I stopped at this gas station, which I never would have stopped at at nighttime, but it was daytime. And it was there. It's kind of scary. All right. And I get out of the car and this feeling is still with me. And as I look around and I just see people, it was as if I could just feel darkness all around. But where me and my car was, I could just sense that same feeling I had felt with Mr. Harry. Now, as if I realized in that moment, there is something more than what I can see. There's something more than what I can feel that there is a realm, a kingdom beyond this world that is living in the present with us. And I'm a part of it. And it was just a few days later that Mr. Harry went to be with Jesus. I want to talk to you today about the reality of the kingdom of God and what is the kingdom of God. I'm going to give you three things today that we're going to break out today. Because sometimes I think have we, we look at ourselves and for too long, many in the church, we've just going to a worship service or an event or a tradition or, or maybe the church is your, your very best friend, your network of relationships. And I think many can attend church for years in America without ever sensing or seeing the miraculous. Many can attend church in America for years without ever ha- having affected a change in their spiritual condition, without really ever getting a, a breakthrough in their sin issues and their circumstances. And many, can ever, can, many churches in America go throughout their decades of existence without ever powerfully affecting change in their culture of their community. What if people looked at the kingdom of God today more than just church services? Maybe that's all you've ever seen is just church services. And I want to apologize for you on behalf of the Christian church. How do we know if we've got the kingdom of God and what it looks like? How do we see drug addicts delivered and their minds renewed? Cancer patients healed. Families on the brink of divorce restored in love and self-centered people becoming selfless, loving the lost. I want to inspire us today, hopefully, to aggressively enter and pursue the kingdom of God, to know God's great power towards us so that we can bring a heavenly influence on this world. The days of church services are over. Amen? It's time to be the kingdom of God in a day that needs to see the kingdom of God rise up and be the people He's called us to be. What is the kingdom of God today? I'm going to give you three things that Scripture will tell us very clearly. The word kingdom means a king's dominion. The word kingdom actually means, its root word in the Greek, uh, basilia, it means the authority, the power, the dominion of a king. It is the, 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 actually the, the power that he exerts. It's the authority that he has uh, of, of his dominion and his rule. And you can see it in three ways in Scripture. Three ways you'll see uh, Jesus talk about the kingdom throughout Scripture and the Apostle Paul. And they're gonna, I'm going to give you these three ways this morning and just three R's so you can help you remember it. But number one is the actual reign and rule of the king himself. That's his reign. That's the number one way that kingdom is used in Scripture. It is the reign, the authority, the position of power uh, that Jesus has. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus has the power. Very good. That's his position of power. That's what kingdom means, number one. And then underneath that, you can put these two. It is the realm 
over which he reigns. It's the place of power. So we've got his position of power, his place of power. And then we've got the people that would make up a kingdom. So you've got a king. Let's pretend you're in Great Britain years and years ago. United Kingdom. You've got the king. Then you've got the territory, Great Britain. But then you've got the people who live there in that place. And you can use the word kingdom to mean all three. The king's authority, the territory of the king, or the people that live under the rule of the king. Okay? I'm going to tell you and show you these three in Scripture today. The reign, the realm, and the authority. Sorry, the reign, the realm, and the royalty that you and I are uh, today. Let's look at reign real quick this morning. His position of power. The kingdom of God should be observable. It is a kingdom of power. When we look in Scripture today in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, uh, we see that Jesus is going through all the villages. He's teaching in all their synagogues. He's proclaiming this good news of the kingdom. And with it, heals all kinds of diseases and every kinds of sickness. And he, he goes through all these towns proclaiming kingdom, performing miracles. Why? Because it was a kingdom of power that he had the authority. He had the power because he was king. Isaiah tells us he was the anointed one. Anointed as Messiah, the Davidic king. He would, he was anointed to release the captives, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the day of grace. He was anointed, uh, scripture says in Isaiah, to go to the mourners of this world, to bring judgment against unrighteousness. He was anointed to heal every type of disease, every type of sickness, to raise the dead, to comfort the mourners, to restore blinded eyes, and to free the demon-possessed. Jesus shows up and He begins to demonstrate power because of who He is. I want us to get beyond the weak Jesus and get back to the Jesus as the Jesus of power. And not to just think, well, maybe or not He can handle this issue. Maybe or not he can control this circumstance or not. But no, to realize and remember what Scripture has shown us and that we believe it. To say that Jesus come and he demonstrated his position of power, his dominion. That Jesus has dominion over Satan. You believe that today? Jesus has dominion over every nation today. Jesus has dominion over every sickness, every disease, every infirmity, and even over death itself. We remember that from last week. Jesus even said the very evidence, just just the evidence that I have come to this place and demons are being cast out is proof to you there's something else going on. The kingdom of God is here. Because he began to affect change. He began to influence his community. And the community he began to speak in, there was something happening. as, as if everywhere Jesus went, he'd go into this city. And think about that bubble that I was talking about that I felt in that gas station And it was with me. There's darkness out there. And it was just the peace and the light of God uh, in this place. And it's like as everywhere Jesus went, he'd go from this town. And as he began to walk into the next town, it's like light began to push out the darkness. I feel like sometimes in churches, we, we don't really sense that about ourselves or about what we have here or who we believe in. That when we go to places and we know who Jesus is, it's as if uh, we're just like these meek people people. Now, we're supposed to be meek. The meek inherit the earth. We're going to talk about that later in a couple of weeks. But it's as if for us, meek means without power. You know what the word meek actually means? It Think of a horse that has a bridle on it. That's really the definition of meek. That horse has just as much power as it did before, but it's controlled. You and I are to be controlled by the power of the king, that, that he comes with us and, and there's this position of power that he has you know, he gave me against to see exorcisms and miracles all to show us something. 
Yes, that he's powerful over sickness and demons and all those things. But more than anything, that if God can cast out a demon, if God can heal me of cancer, that he can save my eternal soul. It's to show us something. And I think sometimes for us, we're on the other side. We'll easily believe that God can heal my eternal soul. But then when it comes to this big problem in my life, then we're like, well, okay, God, you know, if it's your will, then maybe, maybe. And then we feel down and depressed and discouraged. But come on, church, think about it. If God can save your eternal soul, this thing within you that doesn't have a body that is you but isn't you, but this spiritual stuff going on, that there's this heaven and a hell, and there's this pit you're going to go to, lake of fire, and there's going to be eternal damnation, weeping and gnashing of teeth, and that this God from up in heaven came down as a man, but he wasn't a man because he is God, but but he's also a man. And we can believe all of that by faith that he saved your eternal soul. You don't think he can affect change in your situation. Because which is greater to believe? That God can save me or that God can heal me? That God can save me or that God can provide for my finances? Because we exist in this world today, we, I think, so often forget that Jesus is still king. He's powerful. It was an invasion of kingdom authority. We see scripture, uh, scripture shows us that this king comes and he's breaking into people's lives with miracles and exorcisms and conversions and spirit baptisms happen and demonstrating all the things of the kingdom in action. We noticed something more was going on than what we saw on the news. Something more was going on than just Rome and, and the church. And something more was going on than just some meetings and something more was going on than just some sermons. The kingdom was on the move. Do people in our community view the local church as part of an observable kingdom of power? The kingdom of God is observable. observable. Do they see something more? I don't want Sanctuary to be known as, uh, well, that's a good place. They got some good music, got some good preaching, got a great kids program. All that may be true and all that's good. But they could say, man, there's something more going on up there. When I walk on the property, there's something different in there. It's as if things change. That when people come into that church, they kind of come out different. When people encounter whatever's going on over there, man, they, they're they either healed or delivered or set free and, and, and they're seeing drug addicts come out and, and, and just totally a new person because it's not Pastor Heath who can manipulate them through some cool words and some phrases. It's not the music that can hype them up to jump and shout. It's because there's something more. The kingdom of God being real. Do people in our community view the local church as a kingdom of power? Do they see an evidence of heaven on earth? And the chances are they don't, if we are really honest with ourselves. Chances are most people can go through our community and just see church and church and church and church and church and church and never even hear or know the stories of power, of transformation, of life-altering changes, of life-altering healings. I want to ask you today, is Christ powerful or not? Yes. Does Christ change lives or not? So is Christ's church powerful or not? And does Christ's church change lives or not? The Bible says religious people have a form of godliness, but they have no power. 
I want God to demonstrate his power in me. I want to be like Israel, that no matter what obstacles I see in front of me, I know the king is in the middle of me. He's in my midst. He's in the middle of my family. And no matter what comes my way with joblessness or sickness or disease, I know just like Israel came against all the Assyrians and the Babylonians and all, the, the, all these people, the king still won. The king fought for them. The king uh, defended them, provided for them. Do we long for more of heaven on earth or are we just interested in some church services? Interested in some good moral teaching? Interested in just raising our kids to know some Bible verses, to lead a good moral and healthy life, to marry a good spouse and be provided for, to be happy and, and healthy, to have a roof overhead? Because this is what mostly happens in the American church today. We don't want all the bad stuff. We want a good moral teaching. We want to have good conservative Christian values. We want our kids to be blessed. We want to be healthy and happy. But is it through the church service or is it through the kingdom of God being evident in our lives? The power of the king. He, Jesus, is reigning in his position of power. And I don't want to be a religious person who has a form of godliness but no power. I want to see God's kingdom evident in my life. It's an observable kingdom. It's a noticeable thing that something more is going on. And that's when Jesus comes to a community with his authority, his position of power. That's his uh, reign. Let's talk about his realm. So we've got his reign, his authority, his power, which when it happens, when he's in, in position, when he's in authority, something different's going on. Something is noticeably different. There's an invasion against the kingdoms of this world. That's his reign. But then there's his realm. This is his place of power. His place of power. Just like I talked about in that room, it, it wasn't the hospital bed. It wasn't the, the, the place that the room was. It wasn't a church service in that moment. It wasn't because there was music happening. It wasn't because I was preaching a good sermon to Mr. Harry or, or there was a great praise band behind me just swaying in their robes or, or anything like that. It was simply that there were two people who knew and believed this man's about to enter into eternity. And eternity is just as real there and here. That heaven has, in effect, come down. There is a different dimension, a reality, a realm that exists now on this earth because Jesus has come. There's something more than meets the eye. Jesus, uh, in his, in, when he comes to earth, you could almost view it as a hostile takeover. He begins in, encroaching on Satan's turf. Not only did he show he had that position of power, but this place of power, this new realm. And this new realm kept, kept advancing. And you could say, well, where was his kingdom? He told Pilate, he said, Pilate, this, my kingdom is not uh, of this world. It's another realm. His, domain brought this, uh, his dominion brought this new spiritual age, and now it was on the earth. And he says, if I wanted to, I could call all of my people from heaven, and you couldn't crucify me if you wanted to. There's something more than what you understand. You're thinking through the natural lens, but I'm, I'm a part of heaven even though I'm on the earth. Does that make sense this morning? So his, his, uh, where is it? It's, it's something you can't see necessarily, but you can feel it. it. It's there. It's still very real. It's beyond taste and see and touch. It's spiritual. And so where was his kingdom? It's a spiritual realm. What does it look like? Paul says, guys, it's not religious. It's not in the don'ts. It's not in the do's. It's not in the don't taste, don't touch, don't smell, don't eat, don't do this, don't go to movies, don't go to this. And while all that can be good, I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't have don'ts and we shouldn't have do's. 
But this, you can have all the don'ts in the world and still not have the kingdom of God. You can memorize all the scripture in the world and still not have the kingdom of God because it's something spiritual beyond the words. Uh, you can have the word of God without the spirit, but you can't have the spirit without the word of God, if that makes sense. OK, uh, we're not saying that the words don't mean anything or that going to church doesn't mean anything or dressing modestly or putting out the sinful things of this world. Those are all good. But those alone are not the kingdom of God. Those alone are not enough to get you to heaven. And, and religiosity would come in the early church very early. And Paul would shut it down. He says, it's not about these dead earthly works. But when heaven comes to reign in you, when heaven comes down in your life, and when you experience the presence of God in you, he says, this is what the kingdom of God is. It, it's noticed like this. He says, it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Some of you would say Holy Ghost, but when is your translation? Righteousness, peace, and joy through the Holy Spirit. When heaven comes into my life, I remember when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit as a teenager, and I was in that altar, and that evangelist, who I was deathly afraid of, comes up to me with these burning eyes. He really didn't have it, but that's what I felt like he did. And he comes and, comes and prays over me. He never touched me or anything like that. Something came over me. It wasn't the praise band. It wasn't the sermon, because that was over. Uh, it was the tangible presence of heaven coming into my life. And I tell you, in that moment, it, it, for me, it wasn't about tongues at all while that happened. For me, it was the joy. I've never felt joy like I did that day. It was one of the best days of my life because it was as if in that moment, no one could ever tell me heaven is not real. Wasn't a theological argument in my head, wasn't a feeling, wasn't tradition that I'd been born into, but I was feeling something. Not just while I had the goosebumps going on, there was something in here happening beyond something more. And I can't explain it to a person who doesn't understand. I can't explain it to a, a rational, uh, earthly minded person because you've never experienced heaven before. But if you know what I'm talking about, you've been in sermons or places or alone in your prayer room and you felt something come over you. It wasn't an emotional move because you jumped and shouted or but it was literally you could just be silent in a moment. Something just descends on you because heaven is now on the earth. Jesus comes and brings heaven on earth. Have you noticed these things ruling your life? Do you have a new realm of living into this? Heaven comes to live in you through the new birth. John tells us in John 3, 3, it's a new birth of the spirit living within you. So where was it? It's this new spiritual realm. What does it do? It, it affects a change internal righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit come in you. But what does it do? What does the kingdom of God do? Because this is the crucial moment, church. We can have all the goosebumps and good feelings and be in the presence of God all day long, but it does something. It takes over. The kingdom of God takes over. Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, His disciples are like, why don't we just, man, we're just having a really good service right now. Let's just stay here and have revival all week long. Can we just stay right here, Jesus? Man, signs and wonders and all this stuff's happening. Thousands are being converted. And, and He's like, no. I have to go to other cities also for I was sent for this purpose. How many people do you know in the Christian church of today in America that are living their life by a kingdom purpose? That there's some sense of urgency, of passion, of purpose in their life that says there's something I have 
and I must advance it. There's something inside of me that's drawing that I can't sit still and not share this thing. And I found a disconnect in my life growing up in church because there were so often times that we could come and, and growing up in an Assemblies of God church as I did in, in a, a charismatic Pentecostal type uh, s- setting, we would come and man, we'd have awesome moves of God and we'd feel it. But I never saw as a child demonstrated in the adults. Maybe it happened to some of them, but I never saw this move of God that said, because of a Sunday night move of God, Monday through Saturday is just different. That we begin to take on ownership of our community. We begin to break down the, the, the gates of hell because, man, we've got heaven on our side. When heaven comes, it takes over. Jesus kept moving forward with the kingdom of heaven. How many Christians do you know define their lives this way? How many churches do you know are known for their influence in their community? Are we known for our good services? Known for good programs? Or are we known because we influence change in the community? It's a challenging thing. Because I grew up religious. Not my parents' intention, not my pastor's intention, but it happened to me. It wasn't their fault. It was my fault. I grew up seeing the church through the realm of man, not the realm of heaven, not the spiritual realm. I began seeing it through programs affect change, sermons affect change, uh, uh, movements, we evangelistic crusades affect change. We have an evangelist comes in with a revival service. That affects change. No, 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 no. What affects change is when heaven comes into your life and you begin to influence the world. Amen. The kingdom takes over. Too often I think the church has been on the defensive, which means we've been religious. And Think of it this way. If you've ever heard sermons preached, and maybe I've preached them, defending, it's as if we begin to defend ourselves from against the world, begin to wall ourselves in. We begin to stand for Jesus instead of following Jesus. Because Jesus is always on the move. Jesus is always advancing heaven on earth. He's never standing there thinking, whoa, world, come on now. We need to have some barriers here. We're going to put a wall between us. We're going to build a wall. No. Uh, Never mind. (laughs) He is advancing heaven on earth. He's not interested and making a barrier between the church and the world. He says, my church is more powerful than the world. My church has more influence than the world. At least the the real church does. They're not worried about what's on TV and what the world's doing and how many shows have the, the on cable television have all these words in them now. They don't that don't even affect them because you know why? They got heaven on earth. They don't need that stuff. They're not, they're not affected by the, the nudity on television or the drugs that are sweeping the streets. Why? Because they've got heaven in them. And I'm telling you, heaven's more desirable than anything in this world. When you get the joy of the Holy Spirit, the center of you, you don't need none of that junk. I don't have to fight to say, devil, I, I, you know, you're just, you're, you know, I got to get up. No, I got something better. I got Jesus. I got the kingdom of heaven in me. And I don't want to be on the defensive thinking, oh, man, I can't go to the casino because I might gamble. I can't go to the bar because I might drink. I can't watch that TV because it might do something to my mind. That's not the church I see in Scripture. 
It's a church that says we are more powerful and the gates of hell shall not prevail against what we got going on. Amen. And we got to get ourselves out of this defeatist mentality that we've been so we're getting so influenced by the things of the world. But what about us affecting the world? What about the world saying, hey, we don't want the church a part of this because they might rub off on us. I mean, that's what I see in Scripture. I see people coming up and 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 Peter and, and John going in front of the Sadducees and say, you can't shut us up. I don't care what you do with us. We're, we're going to preach the gospel. And they couldn't stop it. It was a revolution of kingdoms. Then when the kingdom of God shows up in a community, nothing can stop it. What happened to that Christianity? What happened to that devotional life between you and God? I want to get us out of powerless programs, not to see the church as weak and something that doesn't affect change in our life and get out of viewing it through the realm of man, but seeing it through the spiritual that we have, I think, unknowingly turned earthward and looking to the things of man to change our condition. Whether it be better music, well, I got to go to this church because they got better music, or media, they got better programs, or ministries over there, they got better pastors and preaching over there. And yet, all the while, we're never satisfied. Want because we've yet to touch heaven. The answer to our condition is spiritual. The answer to our condition is heavenward, and thanks be to God, heaven came down. There is no substitute for the realm of God invading your life. There's no substitute for the powerful presence of God living and breathing within you. Psalms 145, we open the service with this morning, says his kingdom is everlasting. His dominion endures. It's God who sustains you when you fall and satisfies your desires. It's God's going to be near to you when you call upon him in truth. It's God who's going to keep you in, in, in his love. And today, anybody want to join me in living in the realm of heaven? Maybe you want deliverance from the influence of the kingdom of this world. You're tired of the things affecting your mind. You're tired of fighting depression. You're tired of the TV changing your thoughts. You're tired of the influences of the world coming into your spirit, into your heart. It's time to move on between things that say don't taste and don't touch, but to say I've got the kingdom of God that's power, righteous peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, and it's living in me. And what I've got... Don't compare it to what the world's got. So we've got the kingdom who's reigning, the kingdom who has a realm that we can really should be activated into. And then we've got the royalty, the people of power, which you and I are. And I, I encourage you to come back the next two weeks because we're going to be talking about what that means to be a people of power, to be citizens of heaven, living in the kingdom and living in the spirit. So you don't want to miss the next two sermons because we're going to break this out. But just briefly this morning, how do you experience his kingdom? What is this people of power? Remember I said in Great Britain, you've got the king who has the authority to reign. You've got the territory, which would be Great Britain. Uh, and then you've got the people who live there. And the king's responsibility is to provide for his people. And the king's responsibility is to uh, not only provide for them, but protect them. Not just protect the territory, but protect his people. And so you and I, in a sense, when the Bible says kingdom, it can also be talking about you and me, that we are the kingdom of the king. We are the people of the king. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And, and Jesus even says that it's really the desperate ones. While we're all in this world today, and many of us in this church can be saying we're in a Christian church, uh, we've got the sanctuary t-shirt, we go to this this whatever local church is your home church, hopefully. Uh, and, and yeah, I'm a part of that. But that doesn't mean you're a part of the kingdom. 
Because the kingdom is spiritual. The kingdom is those who say, he's my king. He has authority over my life and I'm in submission to him. And he provides for me and he protects me. And Jesus says, what are those? Who are those people really in the world today that if we would look at them? He says, they're the desperate ones. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the broken, the poor, the outcast, the disenfranchised, the disheartened, the ones who really don't like this world and like the better world, heaven on earth. And he says, there's the kingdom of heaven in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. He says it this way. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force. It's kind of one of the key verses for our youth ministry, which I love. What does that mean? The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force. We're not about to start the crusades here. And I'm not about to pass out some swords or go picket lines something. What Jesus was saying to the religious of his day, he says, there are people who are passing through a wall of religiosity. And there are a bunch of Pharisees, a bunch of religious know-it-alls right here standing between them and me. And there are some people who are so passionate for me, they're willing to push past all the religious barriers. They're willing to jump over the top of religious people just to get a taste of what heaven's got to offer for them right now, right here. That the kingdom of heaven has got people who are running into it and don't care what anything is like behind them. They say, that's what I want. That's my king. That's what I need. That's what I've been looking for. That's what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in a church service. I'm not interested in a hallelujah march while all that is good. I'm not interested in the best program or the best ministries or the best preaching. I'm interested in taking heaven by storm and heaven coming into my life and the joy and the righteousness, the peace of God being tangible. And every morning I can get up and I can say, this is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and I'm going to be glad. doesn't matter. What comes my way when I'm living in heaven on earth? That's the royal people. That's the people of God. That's the sick, the diseased, the spiritually oppressed, the swindlers, the traitors, the prostitutes. All pushed past the Pharisees to receive what God had brought them. The last would be first. And it would be the type of people that would say the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hitting in a field. And for the sake of that treasure, I went and sold all that I had just to buy the field. And while the whole world thought I was crazy to buy that empty field, I knew there was something more. There's something beyond. There's an authority. There's a presence. There's a realm. There's a king. There's these things that are intangible that I feel. That when I give up my whole life and the rights to my life, and I give up all the desires of this world, and I don't care about turning the TV off, and if we want to argue of whether or not you should have the TV on or off, we're already in the wrong context. If I want to argue with you what you should watch or don't watch, you're already thinking worldly. You're thinking in the wrong context. Because when you have heaven, you don't want nothing else. When it's affecting you, heaven's affecting you, you're not influenced by the things of this world. Come on, church. This morning, we were thinking so much through religion without noticing We've been trying to put barriers between us and our children uh, from the world and say, now, honey, we don't do this. We don't do this, but we do do this. But what if we just imparted to our kids the mighty presence and power of God? You wouldn't have to tell them all the do's and don'ts. They would know it. It would be in them. That's what Jesus says in, in Ezekiel chapter 36 and 37. God prophesied that there's a day coming when my spirit will be within them. They'll know my law in their heart because they'll have heaven inside of them. Today, God is calling you to be His people. A royal people. A powerful people. 
to be his church. And he would give you the keys, the authority of the kingdom of heaven. And I'm wrap up with this in Luke 10. He told them, he said, after he called them, he says, I'm giving you the authority of this kingdom I'm bringing to you, giving you the power of this kingdom I'm bringing to you. I've got all the power in the menu, but I'm giving this power to you to affect change, to affect influence on this world. He says, now, now listen, go out and proclaim the kingdom is here and, and heal the sick and raise the dead. Do those things. Proclaim the kingdom. That's your job. He says, I want you to know I saw Satan falling from heaven like lightning. Because remember, he stepped down. Satan's cast out. He took authority over Satan, bounding. Even though Satan's kingdom is here, it has no king. There might be legions of demons and everything in this world today, but I'll tell you it's all in mass chaos because Jesus, the king, has established rule and authority everywhere we are, everything that we do. He says, I said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning, and behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. That's symbolic of the enemy. And over all the power of the enemy. And nothing will injure you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this. Because we get prideful. But rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. You are bigger and badder than the devil. That's what I get out of that. I didn't send you out there to have a troubled time trying to stay holy. I didn't send you out there to have some good church services and some religious meetings and learn some cool Christian songs, be a good person, raise your kids right. I get out of that, he said, go take some risks, change the world, heal the sick, raise the dead, overcome persecution, love the unlovable, show the world heaven on earth. And when Paul was harassed by a bunch of religious know-it-alls along the way, anybody ever met anybody like that? When Paul was harassed by a bunch of religious know-it-alls, he had this to say. The kingdom of God does not consist in words or a bunch of talk, but in power. It's not a bunch of talk. And I pray that Lord help me to deliver every sermon in the power of God and not just a bunch of talk. And that you would hear it is not a bunch of talk, but in power. You'd go from out this place, not giving the world a bunch of religious talk, but showing the world the power of the kingdom of God has come to Gina, Louisiana. And we're about to affect cultural change. We can influence. I want to invade, attack, assault, and impact the world for the kingdom of God. I want to simply, I don't want to just simply inspire us today to believe and ask God for more. Not to rely on our own power or knowledge, but to know who He is and His power towards us who believe. I want you to live under His authority today. I want you to live in His spiritual realm today. And I want you to be His royal people today. Are you ready to seek the kingdom of God violently and take it by force? And then take this world by storm. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Worship team, would you come?